Hey, aloha, howdy doody, how's it going? Wherever you are and however you say it, hi, I'm your host, Ashley Noel, and thank you for listening to my show, Steps to Self-Worth. I'm a self-worth coach, a former California crisis counselor, an unpaid comedian, a poet, rapper, a public speaker, and if that's not enough, I'm also a wife and a mom. This is not a faith-based podcast, but I will be sharing a little bit about my faith and the role it played in gaining my self-worth. On my show, I'm going to teach you tangible strategies to gaining your self-worth, help you learn a new perspective, and ultimately, you're going to learn your individual value and worth. Say what? You can't put a price on that, folks. (laughs) I use my personal poems to talk about body shaming, porn addiction, violations of trust, seeking validation, living like a victim, social media, selfishness, getting rid of toxic people, and so many other issues that hold us back from knowing our worth. So first things first, hit like, follow, subscribe, or whatever button it is that allows you to be notified when I post another life-changing episode. Aside from the podcast, where can you find me? I'm on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Coach Ashley Noel, or my website at www.ashleyspeaks.net. Until next time, thanks for listening. And I'm Ashley Noel, and I approve of this message. Hey, this is Coach Ashley Noel, and thanks for listening to Episode 11, Triggers, Today's Pain with Yesterday's Past. This is a very sensitive topic for some, and so I want to handle it delicately and seriously, but I also want to get down to the nitty-gritty and be real about what triggers really are, how to identify them, and how you can start moving on from them. Because I think most most everyone has triggers. It's very common, which is unfortunate because triggers suck. Let's be straight up about that. Being triggered, especially caught off guard randomly, um, or even if you're expecting it, it's not fun for anybody. (laughs) But let's start with the basics. What is a trigger? So a trigger is something that sets off a memory tape or a flashback, transporting that person back to the event of his or her original trauma. And triggers are very personal and different things trigger different people. The survivor may begin to avoid situations and stimuli that he or she thinks triggered the flashback. So a trigger can come out in the um, in the physical form, emotional, or chemical. So let me give you an example of what a trigger is. So let's say as as a kid, you experience an earthquake. It's very scary. Everything is shaking. Things are getting damaged. You're afraid for your life. Okay, so then time passes, you're grown up, and you're just jumping on the trampoline with your kids. Suddenly, the wobble and the shake of the trampoline triggers the time of the earthquake, and now those emotions of being scared and nervous and fearful are all rushing back. It kind of just hits you out of nowhere at times, and it's, it's not anything that you were prepared for. It wasn't anything that you thought could happen. You weren't like, oh, wait, if I get on a trampoline and I start jumping, I might remember the time when I was a child and I went through an earthquake and was terrified. So triggers are, they're tricky and they can take a big toll on us if we allow them to. And I say that kind of loosely because 
because they do come up randomly, it's not like we're, we're allowing them to, but how we react and how we can um, see the perception of them is something that we allow. We can change how we react to it. We can change the perception of the triggers, which will overall be very helpful for you. I wanted to read a poem and I'm going to apologize. Well, no, I'm not going to apologize. I'm not doing that. But I'm going to just do the disclaimer that if you haven't already listened to other episodes, my poems tend to make me a little bit emotional because they are very, in, well, let's just say they trigger these very raw and real emotions within me. And now um, it's something that it doesn't take over my emotions. It doesn't consume me. But in the moment, it's just like, oh, my heart, you know, and, and that's something that has gotten better and better over time. Whereas I used to read some of these poems because they're all written about personal situations, but I used to read some of them and like hyperventilate or get really nervous or think about that exact situation and be brought to tears because it was just such um, an excruciating traumatic time for me. So if I get a little teary eyed in this, in this poem, you know, we're just going to roll with it. Okay, so this poem I wrote is called Blinded. Blinded. When I was a little girl, I was full of unwavering confidence, so much so that I convinced myself to ride my bike home with my eyes closed. The wind in my face, blowing my hair back, the fear and freedom I felt all at once. I could feel the sunshine on my arms, proof that I was home before the streetlights came on because I was a good girl. I was innocent and so full of life, so trusting, and not just because my older brother was always by my side, dressed in a cape as we played heroes. I was rightfully naive and always hoped for the best, enticed by adventure with a side of risk. So as I rode my bike home, hopeful as ever, you can imagine how caught off guard I was when I slammed into what felt like a boulder. I was shocked, adrenaline running, confused, and I wanted to speak, but the wind was knocked out of my lungs. I remember thinking that was a blessing because then I didn't have to explain to my mom how I wasn't wearing a helmet since I was too cool for one. I knew we didn't live near boulders, but I also didn't expect my neighbor to have put a refrigerator on the sidewalk for sale in the hour that I was gone. It was comical and oh so painful all at once. I mean, who puts a refrigerator outside? At 26 years old, I was a single mother, fresh from divorce, feeling so low about myself, I considered putting myself on the curb for sale. I was depressed, angry, full of hate, and yet somehow I was also numb to life, numb to my kids, and numb to the world as it passed by. Nothing was ever funny because I didn't deserve to laugh, to be happy, or to be recognized not for my body, but for who I was. When you're numb, you'll do just about anything to feel again. I would blindly enter situations, not worrying about the outcome, but hoping for the best. Except this time, the best wasn't a refrigerator who took my breath away, but a man. A man in sheep's clothing who whined and dined me, impressed me with his military background, even though at times he would snap at me and control the littlest things in every situation. Even though I had been abused before, this time was the worst time. In survival mode, I took the blame and chalked it up to poor miscommunication, denying that he would ever intentionally hit me, 
repeatedly. I told myself that just because the door was locked didn't mean I couldn't leave, or that when he knocked the wind out of me, it wasn't to punish me. Because at the end of the day, he always told me I was a good girl. And in those moments, my life flashed before my eyes, the pain subsided, and I felt innocent and free again. I imagined the wind blowing through my hair, the warmth of the sun on my body, and the days when my brother was always by my side. What I would give to have my brother show up now and save me, like he did when we played make-believe. But I was no longer innocent, pure, and full of confidence. Instead, I was shattered into a million pieces. Some pieces were suicidal, some pieces were the armor I wore when I needed to pretend I was strong, and some pieces were anxiety and triggers that immediately shut down my whole body, and I'd find myself back on the ground, shocked, adrenaline running, and confused until I could feel like a good girl once more. Thanks for taking that quick commercial break. I hope that it kind of gave you a quick second to um, process the feelings of that that poem brought on. Um, it was really hard for me to write that poem in in the moment that I did, but it for me poetry is so therapeutic. It it gets out all my thoughts and all my feelings. It puts it into a different perspective, or just the the perspective of how I truly felt. Um, but was too afraid to acknowledge or to speak out about. So I I hope that wasn't something that um, triggered other people, because <laughs> of course that's, but you know, we're going to talk about how to handle those things. So let's jump right into that. So because triggers can come in many forms and can come out of the blue, it's important to maintain your internal equilibrium through trigger awareness and intervention. What the heck does that mean? Um, basically, you want to be able to learn and be aware of your triggers. And let's talk about how do we do that. So one of the first steps is to identify and address, which leads to a greater sense of control and better interpersonal functioning by knowing what to avoid or alter. So if you can identify and address First of all, let's just start with identify. If you can identify when a trigger is happening or after it happened, it helps you kind of just like calm down for a second because you're like, okay, this isn't something that is um, relative to right now. And this is a reaction to something that has already happened and it's coming through. It's coming out right here, right now. And I am addressing that. And when you can take control over that and acknowledge that this is this is just your reaction to something else, you're gaining control over it. And when you gain control and you shed some light on it, it loses its power. Um, and when you when you identify it, you're also taking note of okay, this is what I was doing when I was triggered, and. If you notice patterns in where you're getting triggered, what situations you're in, you can know what to avoid or how to alter those situations so that you're not continually getting triggered. Because if something is causing you to hyperventilate, get angry, get sad, you know, cry, shake, um, have panic attacks, nobody wants to have those on purpose. So it's fantastic if you start to see a pattern and you realize, oh, 
going to the grocery store in this aisle triggers this memory for me. And so I'm just going to either ask somebody else to get those items for me or stop going down the aisle or just stop going to the grocery store altogether. Whatever it may be, it, it, it can be that simple. Okay, the next step is to learn, <clears throat> excuse me, learn to change your experience and your response to these negative thoughts and feelings. When you identify these triggers, you can learn how to change that experience. So we're just talking about the, the experience, the right here, the right now. However, I highly recommend, and I talk about this quite a bit um, in other podcasts and on Facebook and stuff like that, EMDR therapy. EMDR therapy is extremely helpful and pivotal in getting over trauma. And what comes with trauma? Triggers. So it goes hand in hand. EMDR therapy is when you when you talk about and essentially relive a situation um, verbally, a, a trauma, and as you talk about it, you're holding these mechanisms or you're doing some type of tapping or something and you're in both hands. And um, this mechanism will vibrate from your left hand to your right hand, from your left hand to your right hand as you're reliving and retelling this um, traumatic situation. As you do so, what the vibration does, it is connecting your left side of your brain to your right side. Now, your, your brain reacts, you know, one side is your emotional side and the other side is your logical. And triggers are played off in reactions from your emotional side. So if you can go through and retell this story of this traumatic event while connecting the emotional to the logical, it can help you rewrite that situation with a better ending, with a better outcome, a better result, and to just take note and acknowledge to the highest power that these are just reactions and emotions. And it kind of just helps you get more comfortable and settle in with it. It can't erase the memory. It can't change what happened, but it can change how you react to it. I'm telling you, EMDR therapy is life changing. I've done it. I love it. I have clients who have done it. And I've just seen how people can like take that big, deep breath and relax because it, it takes away so much anxiety and stress and so many triggers. It's fantastic. Can't talk about it enough. But moving on. So learn to change your experience and your response to these negative thoughts and feelings. When you change your response to them, they no longer have that power over you. And um, you can control yourself. You can allow yourself to be in more situations around other people who may have triggered you in the past. The next step is to detect the quote unquote unreal. So um, triggers are more relevant to the past than the present. So you need to remind yourself that while you're in these triggers, while you're having these thoughts, these panic attacks, the shakes, um, the fear, and anything that might set in, tell yourself that for this circumstance, in this situation, it is unreal. They don't connect because... These are 
feelings from your past that are being brought up today. So they don't need to control what you're doing. Don't let it have that power over you. And that's not easy, of course. But sometimes for me, it's just like, hey, Ashley, no, we're not doing this. We're at a, we're at a party. There's, I'm having lots of fun. My family's around. This, you know, this is going on. This is a great time. But this is my moment right here. This is what I'm being triggered by. And I'm choosing to not let it affect me anymore. I'm, I'm going to continue going on my day. I'm going to continue with this party and I'm going to, you know, take my deep breaths and I'm going to do my routine. And then that's that. And by doing so, you're acknowledging the trigger. You're giving it its space. You're allowing yourself to react for a minute, but you're not stopping it. You're not letting it stop you from living. You're not letting it stop you from continuing on, continuing on with your day and taking control of your emotions and your whole mindset. So detect the unreal and know that the triggers are more relevant to the past than the present. The last one is to use your problem-solving strategies. So after you have identified it, you've addressed it, you realize um, you're changing your experience and your response to these negative thoughts. You're acknowledging that it is um, prevalent to the past and not the present. So now what? Now you're going to use your strategy, your problem-solving strategies to move forward in this moment. What are some problem-solving strategies? Great question. <laughs> so timeouts, which sounds silly, but I definitely need a timeout. And you can, you know, if you're at this party, step into a bathroom, step into a bedroom, go out to your car, take a quick, quick lap around the block, give yourself a timeout, remove yourself from the situation so you can um, take a few deep breaths and just really feel more in control breath control. There's all kinds of different techniques for breathing. Um, my One of my most favorite and probably the easiest for anyone to visualize and to do is the ocean breath, which is when you take a breath in, you're visualizing the waves coming up the sand. And then when you take a deep breath out, the water's going back out to the ocean. I can help you just kind of relax because the beach tends to be a very peaceful, very relaxing place for people. Everyone has seen a bit a beach, whether it is um, in person or on a movie or something. You know what the waves look like. So visualize that. So a deep breath in with the waves and out as it goes back to the ocean. And you can do that repeatedly until you feel more calm. So at least I like to say like five to seven times um, is helpful for me. Um, mindfulness. Mindfulness is crucial. Mindfulness is when you are focusing on the right here, the right now. So you can literally say to yourself, if you're at this party, we're just using this party analogy and running with it, I guess. If you're at this party and you're having a, um, a trigger um, or you get triggered, I'm sorry, you get triggered and you need to take it a little time out, you can say, okay, I'm at this birthday party and I am getting this trigger. It is coming in the form of, you know, maybe a panic attack or I'm getting nervous or I'm feeling um, fearful. I'm getting sweaty. Okay. Acknowledge how the how it's coming about 
and then say, I think this trigger is related to, and then, you know, think about the instance or the trauma, you know, you want to give it a voice, allow it to happen and say, but this is also right here, right now. This, this instrument, this um, traumatic experience did not happen today. This happened a while ago. Today, I am at a birthday party. I am surrounded by friends and family. I have a support system. I am loved. I am no longer in that traumatic experience or situation. And therefore today, right here, right now, I am choosing to no longer let this overpower me. I'm going to go have a great time. And that's all mindfulness is, is stopping and focusing right here, right now. What is going on? What am I doing? What am I experiencing? What am I feeling? What does it look like? Everything. You just acknowledge it. And it's powerful. Okay. Um, another thing is you could increase your support system. Hang out with people who support you. Hang out with people who know about some of your your traumas or your triggers and someone that you feel safe talking to about because sometimes if we're in those moments the heat of the moment we just need somebody to give us a hug we need somebody to tell us it's okay i know how you're feeling or even if they or even if they don't know how you're feeling a warm embrace or somebody you can feel safe with and trust is so helpful so increase your support system okay engage in physical activity Physical activity is incredible. Although, let's be honest, is it something we always want to do? No. Is it something I like to personally do? No. But the reaction it gives you chemically and physically is very empowering. And it can, it just releases so many endorphins and serotonin. And those are the things that make you get that like overall high, that happiness, that love for yourself, and it rejuvenates you. So just do it, okay? Um, another option, read a book, okay? Go for a walk, take your mind off of things, and do what you need to step out of that moment and regain your overall internal equilibrium and self-control. All that said and done, I know it's really hard. You know, sometimes we don't know when we're being triggered. It's not always obvious. And I think that is a really hard part of triggers. Um, for example, you can be in a situation where your thoughts and feelings are just too intense for the current context. So let's say, man, let me think of an example I, I know I've done it. You know, in my second marriage, there were certain things that, okay, let's say I, I spent a little more on groceries than I thought I was going to or that I said I would or maybe that we had technically budgeted for. Okay. Um, and that would have triggered me because in the past, that would have been like a big no-no. I would have gotten yelled at. Um, I could have gotten, you know, in trouble for it would have caused problems and contention in that marriage. So in this marriage, in this second marriage, when I did that one time, I freaked out. I was like, oh my gosh, I spent more than I thought I would. He's going to be mad. He's going to yell at me. He's, and I started like getting really anxious and really nervous and kind of upset about it. And I was like, do I just go return stuff? You know, what? what's going to happen? And I had to talk myself out of like, okay, no, that was my past relationship. That was not this 
this relationship. Um, and what, what I'm in now, the situation I'm in now, the marriage I have, it is so different and he reacts so differently and he loves me and we can talk through things. And, you know, if I'd spent more than necessary, he would just be like, okay, well, let's figure out where we can save money in a different spot. You know, something totally different. Or, you know, one time him and I were having a conversation and I don't remember what it was that that triggered me, but he was talking about wanting to do something and I just like flipped out and I was like, no, you can't do that. You know, blah, 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 blah. That's not going to happen. That pisses me off. This is and this and this. And he was like, okay, listen, lady, you need to chill. And I was like, you know, forget that. Screw this. Blah, blah, blah. You know, whatever. I was like a rage monster and and I truly don't even remember what it was and maybe that wasn't even really how it went down but I remember that in that moment I was very much overreacting and I took it like from zero to 100 so extreme in your face and he was like what is even going on this is not normal this is not like like you and this doesn't even make sense for you to be that upset and you know in the moment I'm very stubborn I stood firm with the fact that you know I was right and he was wrong and later on I I thought back and I kept replaying it and and I realized that those strong emotions and the anger and the need for control were actually triggers um representing themselves as anger and control and, and fear and, and all those different things. And it was a reaction to something I had ex, um, previously experienced. And I was like, dang, I just messed up big time and I didn't even realize it. And of course he was right and I should have calmed down. And I was like, heck no, am I going to tell him he was right? <laughs> I'll just come at it like, I'm sorry. I'm a little cray cray. I didn't realize. And, you know, I, I still tried to approach it with um, holier than thou, I suppose. That's my stubbornness from within. But I we ended up breaking down it, um, this conversation. And, and I said, okay, to be honest, you know, I felt in this moment, you know, and then so-and-so, whatever happened, however I felt. And I said, and I, I realized now that it's because of this one instant in the past. And so I was afraid that that would happen again. I didn't want to go through that again. Um, you know, I don't, whatever it was. And we just, we sat down, we talked it out. I acknowledged the emotions and we were able to move past it. And he was like, okay, that makes so much more sense as to why you would freak out than the fact that you just freaked out out of nowhere. And I was like, hey, you and me both partner. <laughs> we have that open, honest communication, which is amazing. So just to recap everything with your triggers, tap into your mindfulness Acknowledge the emotions and how they don't need to apply to today. Focus on your breath. Give yourself a timeout. Identify and address things. Take control. Learn to change your experience and your response to it. And ultimately, detect the unreal. And remember that these triggers are more relevant to the past than the present. 
And I promise you, you will learn to take control over yourself and your emotions and how you react. I hope this was super helpful. Um, Thanks for listening once again to episode 11, Triggers, Today's Pain with Yesterday's Past. Until next time, I'll see you guys later.